Welcome to this week's podcast at Bergen Park Church from Evergreen, Colorado. We hope you enjoy this message, and if you'd like to hear any more or learn more about the church, please visit bergenparkchurch.org. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for the music. Pulled out that old Amy Grant song. I appreciate that. That was great. <coughs> All right, my name's Greg, and I'm going to share with you today. Um, and we actually sang a few little pieces from that uh, Psalm 119 that we're going to meditate over today, among many other scriptures. Um, I'm going to sort of uh, machine gun you today with scriptures. You hear a lot of, about church shootings. That's very horrible stuff. But this kind of machine gun, I think, is going to be good. It's going to be good for your soul, hopefully good for your brain. I'm just going to pepper you with, uh, maybe that's a better metaphor in the age of church shootings. I'm going to pepper you with many scriptures today, um, not all of which will be on the overhead. There's just too many. So those of you at the, the booth, don't worry if you don't have them all. I'm going to read the ones uh, to you that we don't have. Let me just start with prayer, if I could. Heavenly Father, we just want to praise you for this beautiful Colorado morning. I heard there was a moose down by the lake this morning. It's just a beautiful place we live, and we thank you for it. We ask you to guide us as we go into your word today. May the meditations of our hearts and the words of our lips be pleasing to you, Lord. And I pray that you'll just bless all of us as we look at your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right. Well, the first thing I'll say is that the title of the message has kind of bad grammar, uh, and I'm a teacher, so, but I want to explain that bad grammar. Bereanish, okay? So Berea is a place, a Berean is a person or an adjective, um, and the reason you're, you're probably familiar with the scripture that we're going to start with in Acts 17, 10 through 11, about being a good Berean, um, I'm, I'm not really here to tell you all be, to be Bereans because I don't really know the Bereans that well. I mean, I'm guessing maybe they were people that rode donkeys and took a shower every two months whether they needed it or not and ate with their hands. And, you know, so we don't have to go full Berean, but I'm, I'm just encouraging us to consider how they received the Word of God and how they read the Scriptures daily. And that's really the theme of the message, the call, the need, and the benefits of daily time in the Word. So let me start with a survey and I want you to be honest, how many of you are in the Word daily? Oh, that's pretty impressive. Good, good. How many of you would like to be in the Word daily who are not? Okay. Well, hopefully at the end of this message today, if you're not in the Word daily, you'll be kind of convicted to be in the Word daily. And if you are in the Word daily, maybe you'll be more consistent because I know sometimes it's really hard to, to be consistent. You have kids, we have jobs, a lot of things going on. So... Um, I'm preaching to the choir in some ways, I suppose, here on, with a message like this, but this is consistent, I think, with the theme that Jason has going on about spiritual disciplines, and to me, one of the core spiritual disciplines, and, and actually Jason spoke on this in his first message, was being in the Word regularly, and I think that's really foundational to who we are as Christians. Um, so let's start with Acts 17, 10 through 11, and again, I said I'm going to give you a lot of scriptures today. Um, Acts 17, 10 through 11. Let me get it out myself. Got the ESV here today. All right. Okay, Acts 17, 10 through 11. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue there. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica 
They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. I'm guessing you've all read over that before. <clears throat> Berea is a small town on the east side of Greece, close to the Aegean Sea. Um, it's not really a famous town. It's not one of those you know, towns in the book of Revelation that got a letter. Um, but they got into scripture here, and they got a, a good name for themselves for that reason. Um, it says they were more noble than the Thessalonian Jews. I'm not really sure what was going on with the Thessalonian Jews, but apparently they weren't quite as noble. Um, but it says they received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Uh, so I, I see four things going on there. First, um, by the way, there's notes, a uh, little outline in the back here. Um, I've got a lot more stuff that probably wouldn't fit on here. But if, there's a lot of scriptures, so if you want to write the scriptures down, that might be the most helpful way to go there. Um, so the first thing is that they were receptive. They were open to God's word. You know, not every place that Paul and those guys went were the people receptive. Sometimes they were welcomed with a barrage of stones, uh, sometimes they tried to throw them off the city wall. Uh, so this place was receptive, so obviously that's important. Um, it also says the Bereans received the word eagerly. So not only like, yeah, I'll listen to what you have to say, but actually they, they were pretty interested. They were on the edge of the seats. They kind of went out of their way, it sounds like, to hear what these guys had to say. <clears throat> Third, they examined the scriptures to test the words they were hearing. So when they... And, and actually, we're, we're talking about the Jews here. I should probably make that clear, even though Berea would have been a, a Greek city. Uh, Paul, if you remember, he would always go to the synagogue first because it was easier to start with the Jews because they already believed in God. If you're going to talk to the Greeks, well, they, they don't even believe in that same God. They believe in many gods, a pantheon of gods. Um, and so these Jews would listen, and then they would kind of check the scriptures and say, does that line up? And we're kind of encouraged to do that in Scripture. Test your faith. Um, be in the Word. And, and this is a, uh, an admonition, I think, to, 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 you know, to hold people accountable. People up here like me, like Pastor Jason and Joda, you know, listen to what we say, but also check it against the Word. Because the Word is the barometer. The Word is the constitution of our faith that we all must operate out of and be in accordance with and be consistent with. Right? That's what we believe as Christians. The fourth thing is that the Bereans did so daily. It says they examined the scriptures daily. So they took this seriously. So I think that's why they were called noble. So are you Bereanish? Are you like the Bereans in this way? Um, the result of that, if you look at, chapter, at, at verse 12 there, it says, as a result, many of them therefore believed. So you see that life-giving power in the word of God. So if you are not so Bereanish, um, how about when you first believed? Um, I, we all have different stories about how we came to know the Lord, but um, for me, and I think I've heard many testimonies, you know, about people, when you first get saved, it's kind of all new. You know, you, you go to church and you're hearing something and it's just like you're hungry for it. You're like, wow, you know, I didn't know it was like that. You know, I was in Sunday school, but it was never like this, you know. <laughs> now the Holy Spirit is in your heart. And you really begin to understand. You see Daniel 7. Wow, that's Jesus coming with the clouds. You know, you see Isaiah 53, the suffering servant. Wow, that is Jesus. It was there all the time. I never knew that. Um, there's a lot of things like that. Just, it's sort of uh, brain candy. It's, it's, it's candy for your soul. For the first time, you get so excited. Um, 
And that, that freshness, you know, have we forgotten? Revelations 2 talks about, have you lost your first love? Remember from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. So for those of you who were all hungry when you first got saved and now you're kind of busy and kind of distracted and that's kind of what happens to us a lot of times, remember where you were. Remember those things you did at first and do those again. If you want to get right with the Lord, if you want to get kind of pumped back up again, get excited again, do the things you did in the beginning. Go to church a lot. Get in Bible studies. Read the Word a lot. Listen to a lot of messages on your phone or in your car. So... Let's also look, so we looked at the Bereans, let's also look at Jesus' model of relating to God. Um, I'm going to look at a couple of scriptures, Mark 1, but I, I have another short one that I'm just going to read. Luke 5.16 says, Jesus would withdraw to desolate places and pray. And it says, uh, I think the NASB says wilderness, the NIV I think says lonely places. Uh, and then this, a similar sort of theme in Mark 1, 35 through 39. There's a little more information there, so I'm going to read that one to you. <clears throat> Mark 1, 35. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he, Jesus, departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also. For that is why I came out. So what can we learn from this? Um, First, Jesus rose early in the morning. Now, he he rose early in the morning to spend time with God. Now, I know some people are night people, some people are morning people. I'm more of a morning person. I like to spend my time with God in the morning. Um, If I spend my time with God at night, it'll be me doing this. (laughs) I'll be falling asleep. Oh, sorry, Lord. You're the king of the universe, and I'm falling asleep. I'm so sorry. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you had a meeting with the president and you kind of fell asleep, that'd be kind of awkward. So I'm not doing it at night. I do it in the morning when I'm fresh, have my cup of coffee going. Um, but, you know, you can meet the Lord anytime. But I like the morning, and it appears that Jesus did too. Let me tell you a few reasons why I think that Jesus liked the morning to meet with his Lord. First, I, I have this, this notion of the first fruits principle. You know, when you... When you get your, your income, you give the first fruits. That was what it was, was in the Levitical law. You know, you, get, you, get, you sell your bushel of grain and you get the money and you put that first 10% into the, the treasury at the temple. That was sort of the principle. You know, right off the top, I'm giving my tithe and offering to the Lord. And I kind of feel like with my day, time is, is a resource, an asset. So I start my day, I'm going to give the first thing right off the top to the Lord. So that's one reason to do it in the morning. Second of all, um, you, the way I look at it is you kind of get your orders. You get your marching orders. Uh, and if, if you go through the day doing all this stuff, and then at the end of the day you check in with your boss and say, oh yeah, by the way, what should I have done today? That would be kind of weird. I guess you could get your orders for the next day. Maybe that would work. But, uh, and you know, maybe that works for some people. But for me, um, it makes sense whether I'm in the military or when I'm working for a manager. To, to When I get there in the morning, say, so what's on the agenda today? What do we want to do? And I think that's a a good reason to meet the Lord in the morning. And then third, it's less likely to get crowded out. That's the other thing. If you try to do it at the end of the day, you know, things come up, and pretty soon, oh, it's already 1130. I really got to get to bed. I got to get up at 6. Okay, well, I'll meet you tomorrow, Lord, and that's, that's what will happen for me if I do it at the end of the day. Do it in the morning. Get it done. And I think... Those are a few reasons why I think it's, it's, it's good to do it in the morning. Um, 
I, I also know the second thing, that Jesus went to a desolate place. He went to the wilderness, to a lonely place. Um, here in Evergreen, that's not hard. Some of you may own a few acres, and you can walk out the back door and just head up the hill, and you got your little place out there. But, you know, if you live down in Lakewood, maybe that's not... You walk out the back door, and there's a fence, and there's your neighbor waving at you. You know, <laughs> Maybe there's no lonely place there. Uh, it, it might be hard to get in the car and drive up to Estes Park every day or you know, whatever it is. So um, I think a lonely place, in this place, it, it is a wilderness sort of situation, but uh, it could just be your prayer closet, your quiet little room, your study, uh, a place where everybody else is not, where you can focus. I think that's the key, a quiet place where you can focus. Um, a word about our phones is in order here. Um, it's really, I, I mean, I never had this problem before, but, you know, the first thing you do when you get up, oh, what's the weather today? Oh, did the Rockies win? Oh, what text message came in while I was sleeping? And pretty soon, you've been awake for 15 minutes, I, I'm sitting in my chair with my Bible open, and I've been awake 15 minutes, and I haven't read a word yet. Um, so... I think Jason, Jason mentioned this the other day. Maybe just set the phone somewhere else while you're reading the words so you don't get distracted. And if you read the word on your phone, I don't know if that's a good idea because it's really hard to avoid all those little banners and all that stuff coming in. So maybe the good old book is, is just the way to go. But I'll leave that to you between you and the Lord. Um, but I know the third thing is that Jesus prayed. It says he prayed. Now, if you think about it, Jesus is God. He is God. Why, is he praying to himself? No, he's praying to the Father. But I guess I think if Jesus needed to pray to God, how much more do I need to pray to God? So Jesus sought out a relationship with his Father, and I think so do we need to do that. The fourth thing is, and I, I'm sort of inferring this a little bit, it's not quite so direct as I might be suggesting here, but in verses 38 and 39 I note that when the guys find him, he gives them orders, and he says, hey, let's go to the next town so that I may preach here also. And I, I kind of conclude that Jesus was praying about, well, Lord, what, what, what should I do today? What are the priorities today? You're my father. I'm your son. You tell me what to do. I, Jesus said many times, I serve him. I, I obey him. And so I believe he got that message from the Lord, go to those towns and preach. Go to that town. Go to that town. And that's the time when the Lord spoke to him and told him what to do. So those are some things I see going on there. So that's the Jesus model. Get up early, go to a quiet place, get with God. Um, let's talk about, we're talking about being in the word. Let's talk about the word, the word. What does the word mean? <clears throat> um, if you have, I, I don't know if you have the software on your phone. I just said don't read the word on your phone, but now I'm telling you to read the word on your phone. Uh, but if you have, I have an app on my phone called eSword, E-Sword. It's awesome. It comes for free with King James and King James with Strong's Concordance, and there's like 100 different language version Bibles you can download and many English versions. There's a few you have to pay for, but most of them are free. I think that app's like 10 bucks now. It used to be free. But the Strong's Concordance is awesome. You open it in King James with Strong's Concordance, and any word that you want to define, you just click on that little blue number, and it shows the English translation of that word. It shows the Hebrew or the Greek. It's really great. So if you go to the Hebrew for the, for the word word, um, it says dabauer. I don't know how to pronounce that because I've never studied Hebrew. But in Greek, we're more familiar with that because uh, it's closer to English and uh, it's in the New Testament more regularly. Um, there's, there's two words that I find. One is rhema, which 
means an utterance or a word, but it's kind of specific to the hearer. And then there's the word logos, which is uh, something that's said, but it's also like this idea, this reasoning, you know, which is often how we're using it here then. And then in English, think about what does the word word mean, the way we use it in the Christian context. So it's the written word, the Bible, this is the word. Um, it's the spoken word, what I'm doing right now, listening to a podcast of your favorite preacher, that's the spoken word. It's the revealed word, which is more like the rhema idea, that you're sitting there and God shows you something, and it's the Holy Spirit is doing that work. Um, it's also kind of the more uh, kind of profound or deep idea of truth, you know, an idea, something, a message that comes from God. And then Jesus himself is the word. He called himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Um, the word became flesh, it says in John. So Jesus himself is the word. And so we want all of those, right? I mean, we want to encounter all of those uh, dimensions of, of the word. So um, I'm going to spend some time in Psalm 119 towards the end, but I'm going to focus on that one verse that Steve uh, had us singing this morning and that was up on the screen there. Uh, Psalm 119, 105, and it's the, the old Amy Grant song, if anybody remembers that. <clears throat> and it says, 105, I'm going to get the right place here. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So when I think of that, uh, I think about the time I climbed Long's Peak. Anybody ever done a 14er where you leave at like 3.30 or 4 in the morning and it's all dark and you get your little headlamp on? And, you know, your word is a lamp to my feet. I mean, it's black, right? And so the little headlamp is showing you the next step. I mean, that's kind of what I'm thinking. God's word's kind of like that. It shows you the next step. But it's also a light to your path. If you lift your head up, it looks a little further ahead. God doesn't usually show you where that's going to go weeks from now or years from now. But you can see a little bit further about, you kind of know, yes, I'm going to Long's Peak. Or, or you know, that's the trail that you're on. And so I, I, I like that uh, Psalm 119.105 has always been a great verse for me. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light into my path because I think about that walking on this mountain path in the middle of the night uh, where it's black and you don't know if you're next to a cliff or if you're next to a little grassy knoll. And I think about, well, what if I didn't have my little headlamp? I didn't have my light. Well, I could stub my toe. It's the Rocky Mountains after all, a lot of rocks. I could twist my ankle, I've done that before. Um, I could bump my head on a low-hanging tree branch. Um, I could walk into a bear, a predator encounter. Um, we had a bear in our driveway last fall. One day, on a Sunday morning, my son Luke was gonna go out to get the newspaper and my second son Caleb was looking out the window and said, Luke, maybe you shouldn't go out there, there's a bear in the driveway. And you know, if it was nighttime and the lights were off, you might just walk right out and bump into that bear and he might do something un unpleasant. Um, there was actually just uh, coming back from uh, the Summer's house on Sunday night from an Elevate event, we saw two bears in downtown El Evergreen uh, between the library and downtown. They were heading towards the barber stop. So I was thinking, well, some people are going to be real surprised in about five minutes when they get over there. So, you know, predators are a real thing up here in uh, Evergreen. And then also cliffs. I mean, you know, if you're walking on a mountain road, mountain trail at night with no light, you could walk off a cliff because you don't see what's coming. And the word is like that. It opens your eyes. It shows you things that are dangerous, that are hurtful. And that's one of the benefits of reading the word.
So, um, do you want to see clearly? I do. Uh, you, you know, nobody wants to twist their ankle or walk off a cliff or bump into a bear. Um, so, reading the word's important. That's how God shows you what is true. That's how he shows you what's important. And so, reading the word, being in it regularly is really, really key for us. Um, and also, it, when you're in the word daily, it begins to dwell in you. I, I, I really admire Jason's ability to memory, memorize scripture. I don't know if you noticed that. Maybe he was a navigator when he was younger. <laughs> the navigators, they really emphasize scripture memorization. I'm really bad at memorizing stuff. I'm just terrible at it. But after a while, I start to remember scripture just because I've read it so many times. And so the scripture, you're not only in the word, the word gets to be in you. And, you know, when you get into a situation of temptation or you're talking to somebody who's grieving, this stuff just starts to flow out of you. And that's a beautiful thing when that happens. And so that's another reason to be in the Word. So you're equipped and just speaking and breathing the Word yourself. So that was all a long introduction. Um, I'm going to go quicker now through the next section here. But I'm going to talk about the call to be in the Word daily, the need to be in the Word daily, and the benefits of being being the Word daily. And this is when I'm going to take out my biblical machine gun and start shooting scriptures your way. Uh, So bear with me. So besides the Bereans and the lonely places of Jesus that we've already talked about, those also kind of emphasize the call to be in the word because we see Jesus did it, we see the Bereans did it, and they were commended for it. That's two reasons already to do it. But 2 Timothy 2.15, I'm going to read the King James here because I like the way it's worded here. Study to show yourself approved. Sorry, King James, thyself. Study to show thyself approved maybe approveth unto God, a workman that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Okay, study to show yourself approved so you, you can divide the word of truth. That means you can sort of interpret it, you can handle it, okay? So Second Timothy, Paul's telling us, study the word and then show that you understand it and that you're living in it and that you can, you can wield it like a sword. You can wield it and use it. Uh, the second verse is Joshua 1.8, and I'm going to quote it to you. These are all e- the rest are all ESV, unless otherwise I say so, but I think they're all ESV. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. This is where, um, right after De- Deuteronomy, I think they've crossed over the Jordan, and God's saying, well, here's, here's the deal. Here's the covenant that I'm laying out before you. And here it says this, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it beyond day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you shall, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. You want to be successful, you want to be prosperous. It says meditate on the word of God day and night. And I know some of you do that. And I think it changes our lives, and it, it brings blessings, prosperity, success into our lives. Deuteronomy 17, 18 through 19 I just said, again, don't read your phones, uh, Bible on, on your phones, but I'm going to do that because it's convenient in this situation. Uh, Deuteronomy 17, 18. And when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, oh, this is where um, uh, Israel has asked for a king, and God's saying, okay, I'm going to give you a king, but here's the way the king should be. Okay? He shouldn't have too many wives. I guess Sol- Solomon wasn't paying attention for that part. Um, but it says, uh, Deuteronomy 17, 18, and 19, when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, the king, he shall write for himself in a book a copy of this law approved by the Levitical priests 
and it shall be with him, and he shall read it in all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God by keeping all the words of this law and these statutes and doing them, that his heart may not be lifted up above his brothers, etc. So he's saying, you know, the, the king, this is the Old Testament, the king should have the word and should read it day and night, should read it every day. And then it says, so that he doesn't become a bad king, basically, so that he's, he's a good king. Um, Jesus' teaching, there's a couple of places besides what we've already all looked at. Uh, in his high priestly prayer, Jesus says, John 17, 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So he wants us to be sanctified, and it's the word that comes to us by which we are sanctified. So we need to be in the word so that we can let God do that sanctification work in us as we're reading, as we're uh, interacting with God. <clears throat> in Matthew 4.4, 4, uh, this is uh, the section where Jesus is being tempted by the devil, and it says this, but he answered the devil and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every good, by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So you eat daily, right? I do. I actually eat more than once a day. I'm guessing you do too. And Jesus is saying, you know, not only that, but by every word. That's how we live. We live by the word. And Jesus is telling the devil, that's part of his offense, telling the devil that this, you know, we live by the word every day. And that's how we know that what you're saying is a lie. And that's, that sort of feeds us and sustains our souls. Just as the bread sustains our bodies, the word sustains our souls. Uh, so moving on to the need to be in the word daily. I've got a few more verses for you here. Um, Job 23.12, said to be maybe the oldest book of the Bible. We already have this sort of message about the importance of the word. Job says, I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. God's lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my portion of food. And it's kind of like what Jesus was just saying about the bread of life and, and the word of God. Um, bread for the body, food, uh, word for the soul. And he's saying, I treasured the words of his mouth more than my portion of food. Continuing on that foom theme, like I just said, it's written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Um, 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17 this is one you probably know. This is kind of a famous one for us. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God or woman of God may be equipped for every good work. That's a great one. The scripture, uh, I think King James says God breathed, and uh, I think the word is theonustos, or neustosis literally means, you know, Breathe, you know, the word is breathing out, you know. And if you look at the Old Testament, when God spoke, let there be light and all that kind of stuff, it's the same kind of language. That the breath of God, you know, uh, is life-giving and that word is life-giving. Um, we're gonna, I'm gonna break that one down a little bit later when we talk about some of the benefits. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning thoughts and intentions of the heart. So again, just how important that is. Uh, all those scriptures underline the need that we have for God's word, uh, just you know, like our, our daily bread that we partake of. The benefits of being in the word daily. So the first handful, I actually have... Uh, 
18 here. Okay, we're going to go fast, but um, there's, there's a lot more than that. I can't possibly cover them all, but the ones that I found looking at the scripture I was looking at. So based on what we've already looked at, we see the first benefit is salvation. Uh, the scripture I read to you about the Bereans, you know, it said they were examining, they were receptive to the word, they were examining the word daily to see if it checked out. And then verse 12 there says, many of them therefore believed. So the word brings salvation. It's how the, the, the message is communicated to the hearing people and they see the truth and they some of them receive it by the grace of God and they are saved. So salvation comes through the word. Sanctification comes through the word. We read John 17, 17. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. Um, the third benefit is guidance and direction. Psalm 119.05 talks about the lamp to the feet and light to the path. So again, it, it gives you that light so that you don't stumble, so that you don't step off the edge of the abyss, so that you don't run into the mountain line. You go on a straight path, and you avoid the pitfalls that life brings to us. Um, the fourth is prosperity and success, and we read that in John, John, uh, Joshua 1.8, if you remember that. We, it said, if you uh, do this, you will find prosperity and great success, because it opens your eyes, and you see what's important, and you don't get sidetracked by wasteful, destructive, fatal patterns of life. Um, the fifth thing, the fifth benefit is sustenance. And again, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We should live by that word, and it sustains us. The sixth benefit, it's profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training, and righteousness, like we read in 2 Timothy 3, right? And it's also good for equipping for every good work, also from 2 Timothy so those are sort of the ones we've already gone over. So there's a few more. Now I want to go to Psalm 119, and I think you guys have that one. Uh, if you can put that up on the screen, we'll kind of grow, go chronologically starting out in Psalm 119.97. Um, and I'm going to... Psalm 119 is the longest psalm. It's really long. Um, how many verses is it? It is 176 verses. You know, the shortest verse in the Bible is, he wept. Well, this is one of the longer uh, parts, certainly the longest psalm anyway. Um, so there's a little section that I've kind of marked out from starting from verse 97. It kind of goes through 127, but it breaks a little bit. So I'm going to skip through this. But in verse 97 uh, of Psalm 119, it says, oh, how I love your law. I don't know. Most people don't love the law. You know, when you see that red light. When you see the cop with the speed gun, do you love that? I mean, most of us don't. We, we can be honest. But God's word is, is law, but it's, it's also life-giving. You know, it's also guidance. The word guidance is much nicer than the word law, right? Because law tells you what you can't do, usually. That's how we think about it. But guidance is saying, here's the way to, to do it right. Here's the way to find success. And we all like that, right? And I think that's really the spirit of what God's trying to do here. So... So the psalmist here says, I love your law. It's my meditation all the day. Verse 98, your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it's ever with me. So wisdom is another benefit of being in the word. If you know the word of God, you're going to get wisdom. Verse 99, I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I guess the psalmist forgot one of the other Christian 
virtues, which is humility, says, I, I know the more than all my teachers, I'm not going to go around and I wouldn't, if any of you are in school or talking to your kids, probably it's better not to say that. Like, I know more than you, professor, because, well, I, it may be true, actually, your professor may not know the Lord, and there's probably some things that the Bible has taught you that they are completely ignorant of, so that may actually be absolutely true, but, uh, and that's probably the point here, I think, but the idea is that it does give you understanding. I mean, when you come to know the Lord, things are opened up to you that people who don't know the Lord just are blind to, right? So things about, like, what is a woman? I mean... <laughs> We have a, uh, I'm sure, a very brilliant jurist uh, who's our newest member of the Supreme Court, and she was asked, what is a woman? And she said, I'm not a biologist. The truth is, she probably knows what a woman is. She just doesn't want to say that because she's going to lose political points. But um, there are people who are genuinely confused about human sexuality. What is a woman? What is a man? And honestly, the Bible just lays it out there so clearly. So that does bring understanding, which is the next benefit. Sweetness. Um, I don't know, I have a real sweet tooth. I don't know about you. Uh, I like sweet stuff. Um, let me read on down a little bit. Psalm, uh, verse 100. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. And then verse 103. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. They are sweet. They are attractive if you... You know, again, they are condemnation if you're in rebellion against God. But if you love the Lord and you've, you've been like the Bereans and received the word eagerly searching the scriptures, then you're going to realize how sweet it is, how beautiful it is, how wonderful th that message is. So sweetness. Uh, the 11th one on my list is life. And that's in 107, so let's keep working our way down. Psalm 119, 104. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. We've already gone over that one. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Except, uh, so life, verse 107, give me life according to your word. Um, teaching about God's rules in verse 108, accept my free will offerings of praise, O Lord, and teach me your rules. Um, skip down to verse 111, your, your testimonies are my heritage, for they are the joy of my heart. Joy is another benefit. Um, hope, in verse 114, you are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. Verse 116, dignity. Uphold me according to your promise that I may live and let me not be put to shame in my hope. Shame is, is a really tough thing to deal with, but God, in, through his word and his truth, he gives us dignity as believers. Set 117, safety. Hold me up that I may be safe and have regard for your scriptures continually. The word tells you how to live so you can avoid many of the pitfalls and dangers of life. Um, verses 119 to verse 120, avoidance of God's judgment. Um, the people who have not found God's truth are going to be accountable for everything they've ever done. Whereas if you're in Christ, God will remove your sin as far as the east is from the west. So all the wicked of the earth you discard like dross. Therefore, I love your testimonies. My flesh trembles for fear of you, and I'm afraid of your judgments. And then the last one is greater value than gold. This thing that we have found in the word that we have in our hands is so valuable. Therefore, I love your commandments above gold, above fine gold. So 
I've given you a lot of benefits, a lot of reasons to read the word daily. One other benefit, I'm not going to read this because I think I'm running out of time, but there's a little book called My Heart, Christ's Home by Robert Boyd Munger. Has anybody read that one? It's, a, it's you, know, you know, the verse that says Jesus is at the door and knocks and will come in and sup with you. Um, he sort of takes that metaphor and he goes through each room of the house and talks about how Jesus moves in and changes things around. That stinky, sinful stuff, he, you're holding that one closet away from Jesus. He says, I smell something in there. Can we clean that out? You're like, okay, Jesus cleans it out. But the one I like uh, that I was going to refer to is the living room where Jesus puts a little fire in the, the hearth in the fireplace and got the little leather couch there. Sit down and let's spend time together every day. And, and the, the writer talks about how beautiful that is, how that's the highlight of the day with Jesus. And then as he grows in his faith, sometimes he gets busy, and he comes storming down the stairs, and he goes storming right by Jesus. The fire's burning. Jesus is sitting on the couch like, well, hi. And he goes on by. And then he's like, oh, Jesus, I'm sorry. I got a meeting. I just don't have time this morning. And Jesus is really nice about it. But Jesus one day just stops him and says, you know, I just want you to know that I really value this time. And when you go storming down the stairs and out the door, I feel kind of bad because I really want to spend time with you. So I've been talking about all the reasons that we are blessed, that we need this, that we have benefits from it. But it's also important to him because he loves you and he wants to spend time with you. And when we don't, he is, it costs him something. He is sorrowful, I believe, about that. The other thing about spending time in the word is that we're receiving from him. He's speaking to us through his word. But also prayer is obviously a part of our time with the Lord every day. He talks to us through his word and by his spirit, and we speak back to him through our prayers. And in your bulletin today, I asked them to print out this little, this little thing right here. Um, I should have brought my actual one with me, but I, I have written out for each day, I have one like this in my Bible, and I have... In the upper left corner, on all the days, it's the same. You know, my wife, my kids, my mom, you know, the parents, parents-in-law, and the, the, the relatives, some of them, I pray for them every day. And then each day beyond that is different. Pray for my work colleagues one day. Pray for the church people another day. Pray for places I used to work. Um, and I try to cover all those things. And so by each day, I'm praying for something a little different. I got the family every day the people that are most important in my life. But I'm also praying for missionaries, uh, people that I, I share the gospel with but didn't quite get saved. I'll put them down. So I, I've, I've got people on my list that I knew 20 years ago that I just feel like God has put them on my heart and I want to keep in touch with them. So I really encourage you. Uh, there's one in each bulletin if you, if you want one and husband and wife don't want them. Kate's standing back there. She's got extra ones. Uh, I think there's some more out there uh, on the table. Pick one of those up, and I just encourage you to, I write small. Maybe some of you don't, but <laughs> you have to write small. Fill that out and just, uh, you know, pray daily for people, and it, it'll be a great blessing. And it reminds you of people that you haven't thought about for a while. It's like, oh, maybe I need to call that person. You know, God uses it sometimes that way. So, I'm going to conclude with two questions and a conclusion. So what happens when you don't plug your phone in for a few days? If you've got an older phone, it might be like a few hours. Uh, it's not really useful, right? It runs, runs out of gas, runs out of juice. Um, do we have any military people in here? People who are former or active? Okay. Um, you know, the military has a command structure. You get your orders and you do your job. So what if, what if you're in the military and you just say, you know, this, I'm, just, I'm just not going to go talk to my commanding officer this week. I'm kind of busy. 
I'm just going to, you know, you're probably going to get off on a tangent and they're going to be calling you and like, what are you doing? You know, are you working in a job and you just kind of don't check in with your manager? It's not a good thing. You need, they, they tell you what you should do. Here's our priorities. Here's what we need to do. And so I think um, in both those examples, you know, we need to check in with Jesus daily. We need to, he, he recharges us. We need that. And we also need to get our marching orders from him. He, he's our commander-in-chief. He tells us what the priorities are. He tells us, oh, yeah, by the way, that, per, you know, that thing you said last night, that was not a good thing. Could you maybe send him a text message and apologize? And it's during that time with him that, that he tells you that stuff. Okay, so if you're not meeting with him, you're not getting those messages. Okay, and that, that can be a detriment to your job, to your relationships, to your family. We need to hear from him because he is wisdom and truth, and he tells us what, what's important. So don't miss out. Get with Jesus every day. Get in the word. Get the word in you, and it will change your life. Success, prosperity, stability, safety, peace, all those things that come from it. So let me just stop here and let me pray. Lord, we just thank you for your word. I just think about, you know, even a couple hundred years ago, people just didn't have this on their shelf. They had to go to church and hear it read from a scroll or from a a big book on a lectern. But we have it on our phones. We have it on our uh, MP3s. We have it on our car CD players. We can hear the word preached on the radio. We have 12 different versions of the Bible sitting on our shelves. Lord, we are so blessed and so rich in our access to your word, Lord. And yet... We're so busy. Lord, have mercy on us. Forgive us for those mornings we storm out the door without stopping to listen to you, to to commune with you, Lord. We need you. We desperately need you, Lord. And we just thank you for the rich resource of your word, the written form, the spoken form, and the spirit that reveals to us what we need to know. We thank you, God. May we draw closer to you day by day as we dwell in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. I can if you'd like. Yeah. All right. Let's let's move to a time of communion. And I'm going to read a little bit from 1 Corinthians 11. If you haven't picked up the elements there, as you know, up here and back there, please do so. Um, in the word, we learn what Jesus has done for us. He's given it all. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Lord, we just seek to examine ourselves in your presence. And we know we fall short, Lord. That's what sin is, falling short of your standard, Lord. And we ask you to have mercy on us, Lord. We we think about the things that we got wrong this week. And we ask you to have mercy on us, Lord. And as we do so, we remember your body which you gave for us. And we take that now in remembrance of your sacrifice.
but not only your body, Lord. You gave your blood. You poured out your blood as a sin offering for us. And as we take this cup, Lord, we remember what you've done for us. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. With your body and your blood, you've redeemed us from certain death, and you've given us hope, and you've given us life. And we praise you for that, Lord, and we just pray in this strength that we would go forward and we would live better lives and be a blessing to many in Jesus' name. Amen.